That's pretty normal, Rifki. That is pretty normal. I feel so validated. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Rifki Silver. And I'm Alex Fletcher. And this is Normal From Women. The podcast where we embrace the complexities, nuances, and joys of from womanhood. Normal From Women is supported by True Fitness with Javi Cohen. Javi strongly believes that fitness is more than just exercise, and her passion is helping women find their strength and showing them how to fit a workout into their busy days. She has classes for women's and teens, and True Fitness classes are now on Zoom, so you can join from anywhere in the world, and local women can join in person. Classes are 30 to 35 minutes and require little or no equipment. There's no membership and no long-term commitment required. Javi is also a personal trainer and is accepting new clients. True Fitness. Get strong. Be strong. Welcome to the podcast. So here we are on our podcast talking about social media because social media is very much a part of our lives and the lives of many of our listeners. You likely found out about Normal Fruit Woman through some platform on social media. And social media is how we get our word out. It's the driving force in bringing our listeners here to find us. Social media clearly has various roles in so many aspects of society and in individual life. And we know how our lives feel very different than they did 10 years ago, thanks to Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. Are you on Twitter? Um, a little, mainly to keep tabs on my husband. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's his only platform. He uses it mainly for his medical practice. But, oh my gosh, that Twitter can be toxic. Toxic. Wasn't that word invented to describe social media? <laughs> yeah. Well... <laughs> As you can see, there's this perpetual love-hate relationship that a lot of people clearly have with social media. It's complicated. So today, we want to explore our relationships with social media, the good, bad, and the ugly. But we also want to recognize the role social media play in our lives, social, emotional, economic, and even political. For many, it's the key to their businesses, volunteering, or social activism. So there's really a lot to unpack today. We really want you, our listeners, to walk away today feeling empowered from our conversation, that you feel like you are in the driver's seat when it comes to your social media consumption. We hope that through sharing our own struggles and victories, we can all come to a healthy understanding of the role social media plays in our lives. Let's talk about the pros of social media. What do we use it for that's good? What do we love about it? And how does it enrich our lives? How has it maybe even made us better people? Oh gosh, these are great questions. And I think it's so important. You know, our title today is like our complicated relationship with social media. And and like anything, you know, it's complicated. There are pros and there's cons. And I think we need to really look at these pros and and, and embrace them, you know, and see how our lives are better. So let's let's hear. What are your thoughts, Rupi? So something that I think is an interesting sort of pro when I was contemplating it is that I learned how to argue on Facebook. Like I, I learned how to really figure out if a point that I thought I believed in was something that I really truly believed in, or if it was something that I just was like parroting something I had heard someone else say, but I hadn't really thought about it because like, you know, like in these Facebook arguments or discussions, if you want to call it something a little bit less charged, people will really push you like beyond the point that you would ever get in a face-to-face conversation. And you, I was really forced on a lot of occasions to really ask myself, wait, why do I believe this? Like what, where is this coming from? Like, what is my, can I back this up? Mm. 
you know? And so I found like that was really helpful in having me like crystallize just certain things that I had absorbed over the years, but never really thought about. Um, and of course, like the, like when we talk about, you know, when you get to that point where you hit a resonant point, when you write something and it resonates with a lot of people and then they share, there's not, there's nothing like the feeling of having something go a little bit viral, you know? It's, it's so validating. Like my thoughts, like people agree with my thoughts and they even want to share it. They, wow. You know, <laughs> it's like, it was always so, yeah. such a rush. I loved that like endorphin hit. And yeah. then I, I would have to say like the final, the final pro that I just really love social media for is memes. I love mm. memes. I'm not like witty, <laughs> I'm not witty or clever in, in the way that I could create these things, but I feel like the people who create these little bits of humor that allow us to like laugh at something stressful or give us that little like levity that is so helpful in life. Like, I just feel like they should just be blessed. Like I am so grateful oh. for people who can create these things. <laughs> I love memes. Absolutely. And honestly, I mean, I think there's an element of social media that can provide just like a relaxing outlet. So if you're mm-hmm. just, you know, going through your Facebook feed and you see one of these cute memes and like makes you laugh, it just takes you away. It's a little bit of an escape, you know, and, and, and fuses some humor into your day. And that can be really helpful. Absolutely. I'm done. Go ahead. Let me hear your pros. Okay. Obviously everything you said, I totally am on the same page as you. I have the similar experiences. Um, talking about old friendships, I also really value the new friendships that I've made on social media. Mm. Um, I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a whole discussion of like Facebook friends, like what are they really, but I really have made, <laughs> I, I, ha- I have to say, I have a few close friends and a lot, a few close friends that we became friends through, let's say, um, like a Facebook group that we were all invited to be part of because of a common ground, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, these are people that like, we know that I could give, I, some of these people I just call, I can call cause I know I'm struggling with something. I know they're just going to get it. Like we're like-minded, you know? And I love those, those friends. You know, I, I, I personally love discussions. I love discussing issues. I love reading articles, you know? So I remember when I first went on, on Facebook, we have a mutual friend, Karen Toe, so I'm going to give her a shout out. Yeah. Um, I remember <laughs> watching her, her posts. I mean, she would post the most fascinating collection of articles from like every place in the world. And it was like this curated content. You just yes. like, you know what I mean? It's not Absolutely. just like, oh, I'm reading a certain magazine with a certain bent. Like, I was reading stuff from everywhere. And then her page was like so active with comments. And I was, and she describes it sort of like as a parlor, you know, like all these people from all, yeah, like all these people from all over the place are coming together and discussing things. And, you know, it's not necessarily a um, echo chamber. You know, she had friends from all different walks of life and opinions. And I love, like, I love that. I love the discussions. I love the issues. So I find that you know, that's relaxing to me. I find that is a great outlet for me, you know, now in terms of like engagement and how intense to get, we'll definitely want to address that with the cons, but in general, that's something that I enjoy. Um, so yeah, those are my pros. And actually we really wanted to ask a normal for a moment besides ourselves, um, to share how social media has enriched her life. So we reached out to Ruchi Koval from Cleveland and here's what she has to say. There's two aspects of social media that um, I feel need to be focused on. The first aspect is what do you put out there? And the second aspect is what do you consume? So some people are on social media basically to consume, you know, lurkers, they'll like scroll through Facebook, Instagram. Um, Those are the two platforms that I'm on. I'm also on Twitter, 
but I literally just follow political figures and it's a way to get information. I don't ever tweet. I don't ever like, I don't ever comment or retweet. So I don't really, it's kind of like reading a newspaper. Um, however, Facebook and Instagram, some people are on there, you know, just to consume. Um, and that's fine. You know, there's plenty of good stuff to consume, but I wanted to focus on each of those separately. So in terms of what I put out there, um, the positive aspects of social media are that I have, not me, anyone, any potential user has enormous capacity to do good in the world. I keep thinking of the Facebooker Rebbe, I don't know how many of you, um, Rabbi David Winiers, who literally did Gamilos Chasadim on Facebook every single day by putting out positive content. And, um, it's not always easy for me to put out positive content because I don't always feel positive, but even when I am selectively vulnerable, which is a word, a phrase that Yafa Palti coined, um, I find that people like burst out of the woodwork saying, you don't know how much you've helped me because, you know, if you seem like you have it all together and then you're honest and you share that you don't, for some reason, we all forget that nobody has it all together. And so being positive and happy and also selectively vulnerable can literally change people's lives for the better. So that is the positive aspect of, of what I put out there. Besides for just cute jokes, funny things my kid said, there's a, um, I don't know if it's a medrash or what, of Eliyahu Hanavi uh, walking through the marketplace and he saw two people who were telling jokes and cheering people up. This is in Orchos Tzadikim Shar HaSimcha. And he says, these two men are going to go straight to Ganeiden when it's their time because look what a mitzvah they're doing by cheering people up. So we don't stroll around the marketplace, but we do have social media. And so I think if there's a bit of kavana, a bit of intent that I'm posting this to cheer people up and to bring some more simcha into the world, you can do enormous good. And by the way, I think it's super critical to have that moment of awareness when you're about like yesterday, something really scary happened to me and I was about to post something in one of my Facebook groups and as I'm writing it, I'm like, okay, why am I writing this? And I think that bit of intent, that bit of consciousness and consideration is crucial if you're on social media. Am I posting this because I feel low and I want a bunch of likes? I want a bunch of people to validate me right now. Don't do that because that's where you start getting into trouble. Um, but if you're like, I really feel like writing this will give hope to other people or will bring solidarity to other people or make them feel normal, then you are literally, it's like a hinni muchon zoom and I'm about to do a chesed right now. In terms of what you consume, um, of what you read. So I think you have to be really careful about this because I can easily scroll through Facebook, Instagram, and just get depressed. Look at all these beautiful people having these beautiful lives and all these perfect children going to perfect college and having perfect weddings. Um, and so you have to be careful about what you consume. But again, a bit of intent. You know how much chesed you can do with people that you follow? So like somebody's post that doesn't have that many likes. Give a caring emoji to somebody who posted that their dog died. It's so simple. And, and just to write a little, even a little birthday message. You know, I don't get any notifications from any of my social media platforms. The one thing I do get is an email with the birthday digest from Facebook. So I can reach out to somebody on their birthday. And trust me, I'm, I'm no big tzedekis. It happens to be that chesed is not my strong suit. But if I can just 
write somebody a little birthday message. I know how amazing I feel when I have a birthday on Facebook. Are you kidding me? It is literally like rainbows and unicorns for a grown up. And so I can just write, happy birthday, sweetheart. I'm so happy that you're in my life. And I know that I just did a chesed that day because I know how that feels. Um, and so I think it's really about kavana. What am I posting? Why am I posting it? What am I consuming? Why am I consuming it? Can I have a bit of intent that I'm here to make this world a bit of a brighter place? Um, Another aspect is I follow several Facebook groups um, for some of the nisionos that I struggle with. Um, So, and that really, and I've actually started several as well. And that really like that safe online space is, incredible. I have made some lifelong friends from those groups. So that's the positive, you know, for me. Okay. So here come the cons. I think we should talk about how we're going to manage these cons and how we can make sure that they do not make our lives into total messes. Um, <laughs> Cause they totally can. So Rifki, let me ask you, what are your top three cons of social media? Oh man, so many. Choose your favorite three. (laughs) Okay, so if I had to say my top three, I would say one is that it can be a tremendous waste of time. Mm -hmm. I'll go into them more later. The second one, I would say that there can be a lot of toxic behavior. And the third one I'm going to say is that I always had a hard time disengaging emotionally from the arguments. Um, The first one... I, I saw somewhere that the average person spends two hours and 24 minutes a day on social media. I'm surprised it's that low. Yeah, I know. It probably depends on the person. Um, okay. And that 50% of our time that we spend on our phone is spent on social media. Wow. wow. And that an average user of WhatsApp opens WhatsApp 23 to 25 times a day. Oh, I, I hate data. I know. <laughs> you know, this is data we can be like, well, that doesn't apply to me. So I right. went to my phone that actually oh, no. has, a, I know, I know, I did. I went into the, the social media or the screen time. My, my oh. um, iPhone has like a screen time section. And if you want to get really depressed about your habits, I, I advise you to look at wow. it. Um, it tells you like how much time you spend on entertainment, how much on social, how much on games. And like, it can be very, very sobering because, you know, I'll be like, I'll just pop on for a minute. I'll just do this for a minute. Okay. Right. So even today, it is um, like... You're going to share that with us? I'm going to share it with you. I spent no. 40, 43 minutes today on Instagram. I have a hard time with the point of, you know, I'm spending time with this. I'm being productive. I'm sharing my links. I'm promoting my business. I'm promoting my brand. I'm connecting with people to... I am scrolling like a robot. I am just mindlessly absorbing everything. There's a time and a place for mindlessly scrolling. And I want to be very clear about that. I am not anti-mindlessly scrolling. I'm anti-mindlessly scrolling without intention. Like Mm -hmm. I don't like it when I feel like I spent two hours today just doing nothing. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that we need to be productive every single minute of our day. I don't think that's healthy. But I think that I personally wanted to have more control and to be more mindful about when I was choosing to relax and have downtime and not like, you know, spending two hours when I could have been like prepping dinner so that I'd be having a more calm dinner experience. You know what I mean? Right. It has such potential for such good and, and so much bad. Right. I don't know how to say that more eloquently, but I, we've every, I think any human being who engages with social media just knows that firsthand. So I wanted to go into also toxic behavior like, you know, I had for a long time wanted to kind of like back away from Facebook a little bit, but I was like, you know, running a, a social media page for this community, or I was running a, 
a, you know, Facebook group for this, you know, whatever website. So I really couldn't disengage. And at some point I found myself like it was last Hanukkah and I had shared something that Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg had written. And um, there was a whole like discussion. And I found myself arguing with this person who I only knew like extremely peripherally. I didn't even really know this person. And I thought to myself, is this how I want to be spending my Hanukkah? It's like arguing with Mm. another Jew, like on Facebook. Is this how I want to spend my time? And it really, for me, was like a tipping point. And I said to myself, like, I I clearly have established that I don't have the personal self-control to just not click onto it. And I knew that it was, I was going to have to take drastic steps. And I actually like created on my computer a whole new user profile. And I set parental controls for myself (laughs) to not go on it. That's really impressive. Well, you know, I just, I knew that I was having a hard time breaking this habit on my own. I needed a little extra oomph. So I, I think I spent maybe like six months, like not going on Facebook at all. Hmm. And, and when I went back on, like I, I was like really hit in the face with like a lot of harsh behaviors and criticisms and stuff that I was just like, I don't know if I even want this in my life. And uh, we can talk about, you know, you can curate your feed. You can only see people that you want. You can 100% take the time to make it not the experience I have. And it's not like Facebook is all bad, obviously. But um, like, this is just my personal experience. And the last thing was that I can't disengage emotionally from arguments. This is something Mm -hmm. I know about myself. I get so, I get Mm. so involved. And I have this very specific memory of me leaning against one of my kitchen counters I can picture which counter it is. My kids are eating dinner. I'm on my phone. I'm on Facebook and I'm furiously typing with my thumbs to correct someone because they're wrong on the internet and they need to be corrected. <laughs> and like, I'm ignoring my kids. I'm not involved. I'm getting so agitated. And that, that's the day that I took Facebook off my phone because like, wow. I said, clearly I can't, like you, you said that you love it and it, like, you like that. You like the discussion. You like the conversation and that's great. And I know a lot of people do. And like Kola Kavod, have fun. For me, I have a really hard time disengaging emotionally. Right. But Rifki, you made a very important point. I mean, you were standing at, at, you know, in your kitchen where your kids were eating dinner and you were completely on another planet, you know, totally engaged and frustrated and having feelings that really, you don't have the emotional energy to spend on that discussion. And that is the key. There can be discussion, but this, that can be enjoyable that I enjoy. But when things get toxic like that and too intense and take me away from my responsibilities, and it's a trap that we all fall into, that's sure. when that may start getting unhealthy and you need to take some drastic steps to make sure it doesn't continue. Okay. So the, here are my top three struggles. Um, number one is as a writer and as a teacher, um, I taught for 16, 17 years in the middle school and mainly high school level. Mm -hmm. I like to explain things. (laughs) I'm a communicator. I like to be very thorough. (laughs) Now this is the complete opposite of the soundbite culture of social media. And I find that soundbite culture very difficult. Um, First of all, you can never fully express yourself because who the heck wants to write a three paragraph essay when you're responding to some issue? And you should not, you know, it's not <laughs> how, how we communicate um, on Facebook and on social media. But these quick little, you know, I mean, that's why Twitter I find is the most toxic because it's just this like real culture of like these, yes. you know, edgy snippet, little glib responses. Yes. You, know, you sound like a cool teenager. You know, I don't know. I'm not into it. I completely agree. You never get the, the full picture. You can never express the full picture in your comments and you never get the full picture of the other person who's making the comments. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever yes. had that experience where like you write a sentence or a response that's like a sentence song and people are like, oh, but what about this? And what about that? Like, you never address that. And I'm sort of like, yeah, I can't, you can't get into my brain right now. Like I only commented <laughs> on one aspect of this. You know what I right. mean? Absolutely. Or like, and I, that's, 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I love no, to hear what your no, thoughts no, no. are. No, just saying like, I, I've seen sometimes like arguments, like our discussions online where like, I know more of the background of like the person who's posting it happens to be. And like, I see all the responses and I just know there's just such a disconnect. I'm like, oh, you guys are missing like a very integral piece of this yes. picture. Yeah. So if you're more into, you know, if you're a deep thinker, you like to think things through, you like to be thorough, Facebook can be frustrating that way. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to the second piece is, is there's a lot of judging going on. You judge people based on their opinions, based on their causes um, that they're based fighting their, for. Their, their grammar usage. <laughs> based on their grammar <laughs> usage. <laughs> yeah. You know, based on everything, like whatever they post, like, and again, maybe no one judges, but I've been judged. You know, I know that I judge others too. I'm a human being. You know what I'm saying? I'm constantly working on this. Actually, I would love to tie in here one of the pros, which I forgot to mention earlier. You know, we're saying one of the, the con here is that you like judge people easily. One thing about social media I must say is I've learned to understand people a lot better. Yes. (laughs) And I may not have understood or had a window into a person's life that dealt with a specific struggle, whether it's a communal struggle or a personal struggle. And then when you like read people's just heartfelt posts or heartfelt activism about a certain issue, I become a much more sensitive, um, understanding person to people's struggles that I don't have. So, absolutely. I feel like it, absolutely, yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to piggyback on that and say that it for sure expands our worldview in a way that just would not happen without social media. We are interacting with people who we would never meet in real life. And then we can come to right. understand someone from a different location, a different culture with different personal life experiences. And if we're open to it, we can absolutely become more empathetic and more broadly tolerant people. Yes. Okay. Great. Glad. I hope this, I hope other people, um, have felt that, that same, um, experience as a pro. Anyway, my final con has to do with comparisons and this is, mm. I think more, acu- I don't know. I, what, do you think that's more acute on the Instagram? Oh, for sure. Culture? For yeah, sure. Because I, I it's just because it's so, it's so visual. It's so, yeah. which, one of the things I like about it, because as a more visual, then there's less of that, like, you know, discussions that give me angst, but then there's more of the, you know, looking at someone's like beautifully curated something and being like, hmm. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Cause I'm the actual opposite. I do not spend a lot of time on Instagram and <laughs> I'm on Facebook because that's funny, even though I do definitely appreciate beautiful things and, and appreciate the aesthetics, but I'm, I'm talking really about what we decide to share. Yes. Um, and everyone has different thresholds for that. And I'm not here to say, because you shared a picture of your vacation, that's too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, everyone has to make their personal decisions. Any, I could show a picture of a kid. I could show a picture of a challah that I made, you know, or something. And, pe- and you have no idea how people are going to react. Oh, your kid's cuter than mine. Oh, you made challah. I bought at the store. You know what I mean? Like you exactly. can't control that. So it's always a balance that every single person on social media needs to make for themselves. But definitely... Um, easily can fall into the trap of comparing every darn aspect of your life that can suck the life out of you and make you never grateful for what you have. And it's, and I think it impacts all of us as human beings. I don't know if anyone's immune. So those are our cons. We also wanted to hear from someone who felt that the cons of social media were so strong that she actually chose to disengage completely from social media. Abigail Shakis, also a Clevelander, is someone who's very connected and engaging. We wanted to hear her specific perspective with why she chose to disengage from social media. 
So I came onto social media a few years ago on Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram. And I came in with such good intentions to help my special needs child who has autism. It was a whole world that opened up for me to be connected to other mothers who also had children with autism, to find out what they were doing in order to help their children, to realize there were mothers out there who were struggling the same way I was. It was very good at first, and I felt so comforted knowing that there were so many people out there and that I wasn't alone. But I found myself day after day getting sucked in deeper and deeper into this vortex of research, of questions, of answers, of constantly being on my phone, keeping up with each group and all of its information. It really became overwhelming. And I noticed one day something had to change because I became so angry. When I was doing an activity with my kids, I became angry, frustrated, and resentful that I was having to do this with them because I wanted to be on my phone. I needed to check what was next and how I can do that next thing. And then when I was on my phone, I became angry and resentful at my phone and all of the groups for how much time it was taking me away from where I really wanted to be of taking care of myself and my family. So either way, I was being pulled in two different directions. I felt very unbalanced. I felt a lot of noise and a lot of anger. I knew something had to change, but with comes that awareness of having to change is the feeling of uncomfortability. But I knew that I had to become comfortable with the un uncomfortability in order for me to change. So that's what I did. I took the leap of faith and I got off of Facebook and what's funny about Facebook is that it keeps asking me, are you sure you want to get off? Are you sure? And I wrote, yeah, I'm sure. And 10 days later, I would get an email that said, you can always come back. But I knew I didn't want to come back. Why? Because I had this newfound feeling of my mind chatter getting quieter. This peace and serenity growing in my heart. It just started to feel so good and I wanted more of that feeling so I knew there was no turning back. I soon got off of Instagram and a year ago I got off of WhatsApp. Yes, it was really hard because I was so afraid that I was going to be missing something. How would I know what the next big thing was? How would I know what was going on? I needed to know but I also knew that I needed to take care of myself and this new feeling. And this new feeling of peace, quiet, and serenity was more important and was growing stronger than the feeling of needing to be and to know everything all the time. Being in the unknown puts me in a place of relying more on Hashem. And this place that has now been created of clearing out the clutter, clearing out the noise, the mess, the voices, the chatter. This new place is now cleaned out and is just quiet. A holy new space where I can let Hashem into my life more. But I couldn't let Hashem in more if I didn't clear out this space. So now that it's cleared out, I feel more at peace and more connected to Hashem. And I know 
that whatever I need to know, God knows where I am here in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. He'll, he'll be able to find me and show me what I need to know. And for now, for today, I am just enjoying being in this new place. And as it says in Devarim, Ki karov elacha hadavar me'od, b'ficha u'bilvavcha la'asoto. It's very close to me in my heart and in my mouth, in my mind and in my soul to do. Rav Asher Weiss talks about this Pasuk is referring to purifying my heart, coming closer to Hashem. How am I able to do that? By listening to me on the inside, my intuition, my inner voice, telling me that something's not right, something's off balance, something's pulling me in different directions and I don't like how that feels. And what needs to be done? What leap of faith do I need to take to come closer to Hashem and to myself and to my family? and to be the best person I could be. Okay, so, so let's talk about solutions. I think we're ready for this part. Absolutely. Um, how do we prevent social media with all of its pitfalls from taking over our lives, from impacting our psychological health, from sucking up our precious time? <laughs> we thought we'd reach out to Ellie Shevalis, a psychotherapist we mentioned on our last episode, who has particular expertise in the role of social media and emotional health. And here's what she had to say. So uh, when it comes to talking about the issue of social media and how it intersects with the topic of mental health, there are like so many really important issues. I'll try to touch on a couple of them. Um, so in terms of defining social media, we often think, or at least I often thought of social media as like specific apps like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, you know, they, they, they're trend-based and those are mostly about like interpersonal networking and performance. But I actually ended up learning that um, any time we use technology um, as a means of communication, so that would technically fall under the umbrella of social media. So that opens up websites, emails, blog posts, uh, WhatsApp chats, podcasts, um, even even texting would be included in you know social media communication. So that's pretty much all the most widely used modes of connecting with other people um, for doing business, for sharing knowledge, socializing. And this is pretty much what we use constantly and increasingly since the beginning of the 21st century. So except for a very, very small percentage of the population and it's getting smaller all the time, social media is pretty much taking the world by storm. Um, And then if we we look at trying to define mental health, right? So mental health is the state of our cognitive and emotional well-being. And that mental health is determined by um, a variety of factors. We often look at what's called the biopsychosocial model. Um, And that means that our mental health and everything really is comprised of our biology, which is our physical well-being, our physiological uh, experience, our psychological experience. That's like how we think, how we feel, how we process things and really how that, that affects our behavior and our habits, and then the social, so biopsychosocial. The social would be our interpersonal relationships. Um, and we're social beings, so we're affected and we're influenced by uh, by the people in our lives and by society around us at large, not just the individual people, but the, 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 the uh, collective of people. And a huge part of that societal component uh, since the technology revolution takes place virtually over social media. 
um, particularly this year um, during COVID, we've become so heavily relying on technological and virtual media for even necessities like um, communication, like entertainment, commerce, like, you know, how we do business, um, services, right? I'm a therapist, so, you know, I, I've been doing uh, video sessions um, and education, right? Digital courses. Um, these these media um, probably become the most influential components of our daily intake when you put it all together, with most of us spending huge chunks of our waking hours staring at screens for um, for a variety of all these uses. The household level of accessibility and use of the internet is about one single generation old at this point, meaning 20, 20 something years ago, a little over 20 years ago when I was in college, um, that's when most people started having internet in their homes. Um, and when I was in high school, it didn't exist. Um, so we, when I say we, I mean people my age <laughs> in our 40s, we're like the first generation to raise families um, people who did not grow up with the internet and are trying to function as adults in the internet, and if we have children, raise families in this new culture, this new language um, of technology. It's very, very new in terms of like the the arc of human history, um, and even over over those two decades, it's not been a constant shift. It's, it's the way that we understand and engage with technological media changes all the time and at lightning speed. So we, we don't have enough data to know exactly how this is affecting us large scale as a human species yet. What we do know is that a lot of it is counterintuitive, right? So, um, you know, like for example, the like button, the like button was created to share positivity. And in fact, it creates a lot of angst. Um, empirically, the attention span, the publicness of people's lives, the FOMO and comparison syndromes that we're dealing with, screen addictions, and this general anxiety um, from overstimulation are a lot of the issues we had to deal with. And news, news travels so fast. And when we say news, what we really mean is mostly bad news because human nature has a negativity bias. And that makes people more likely to share and respond to uh, unhappy events than happy ones. So we get bombarded with like tragedy and worry from around the world in seconds. <laughs> um, and we're overstimulated. So we're flooded with choices and options and shopping, music, entertainment, um, and, and even inspiration that can be overwhelming. And we end up with like decision fatigue. But um, on a more optimistic note, I would say social media is also the way we share. We share knowledge, resources, creativity. Uh, we build wider community networks. We end, uh, we extend um, work opportunities. We keep in touch with friends and family who are not necessarily nearby. Um, and all of these wonderful gifts that social media has to offer us. So while I think it's really too soon to know the long-term effects of the way this way of life um, has affected and continues to affect our brains, our mental health. Um, but social media, like most things, um, it's not probably inherently bad or good for us. It's more about how we, as the educated, mindful consumers, uh, how we're going to utilize it and what we choose to do with it. And that's, that's a lot of responsibility, but um, you know, but this is the world we're in, and it's um, it's it's imperative to make ourselves educated and pay really close attention, so uh, you know we can make you know good choices with the knowledge that we have as we as we have it. Okay, so I think we should each share a couple of tips that work for us in managing social media in my life and really just thinking about, you know, Ellie Sheva's response. This is all, I think, very much to um, create healthy, healthy boundaries and keep an eye on how social media affects, affects our emotional state. Great, so we can get the most out of it without having it impact us negatively. Agreed. Okay, number one, I always tell myself, 
don't engage. I don't know if I always do it well, <laughs> right? Like we get triggered. We all do. You know, you're in some discussion and I literally, if I see something that's like triggering or like, I really want to respond and I know it's not going to go well. I just literally repeat that. Don't engage. Don't engage. And that may mean responding to a post, someone's post, or even can, you know, in a conversation itself. Have you had that experience Ricky? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. There are times when I've just like shut my computer and be like, I'm just walking away. I'm not right. engaging. That's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't need my input. <laughs> exactly. Let them fight it out. Who needs, why do I have to say that the sky is blue? You know what I mean? Like exactly enough. Okay. So another thing I do, I don't know, maybe people might not like to hear this, but I actually have unfollowed people. Um, yes. People, they, they may be people that are community members that are even like friends of mine. But if I find that they are continuously filling up my feed with things that, for whatever reason, may be unhealthy for me, may be triggering to me, may be upsetting me, even if I feel like I'm constantly disagreeing with them, and I have every right to say, that's fine, I disagree, but I don't need to always be feeling that I disagree with you. You know what I mean? So right. I just, I'm still friends. I just don't follow you. I'm choosing that I don't want that always in my face. I think that's, a, I think that, I, I think that's been a good solution for me. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of unfollowing. Right. And, and just because that friend of mine has this thing about post, making 15 posts a day, because that's what she needs or that's what she enjoys. I don't have to say that. It's exactly. about being selective. Exactly. Okay, finally, yeah, finally, I just, um, this Ruchi mentioned, but I really try to question my motives before I press post. Amazing. Um, it, I, listen, <laughs> it's hard. Sometimes we do use social media to vent. Um, but I really try, like, maybe am I doing this just because, like, I want a response or I would appreciate the validation right now or for whatever reason. And I want to make sure that everything I post is intentional and it's, um, and it's healthy. So those are my, my tips. Do not engage, unfollow people, and question my motives for when I post. What about you? Oh, I love it. I, I'm similar in the sense that I also have been really intentional about my social media use. Like, what do, what do I want to bring to the world? What is the energy that I want to bring? What is something that I would want someone to take away? How am I choosing to engage in this? Is this something that is, you know, promoting my brand? Is this something that's just for fun and relaxation for me? And it can be both, you know, and do I, how do I want to engage with my social media in a way that I am going to feel good about what I'm putting out there and that I am going to want to engage again? You know, if Mm -hmm. something is not working for me, then I don't have to engage. That's um, sort of the intentionality of it. (coughs) Excuse me. You have a choice. You did mention like branding, and I think that's a complete separate topic, which we're not going to delve into deeply. But that is something that for people who do have a social media presence due to their writing, due to their business, like that does create sometimes a pressure to need to post often, need to have yes. very good content. I personally don't, I really don't do that. Other people do. Um, I may do that more now that we have a podcast. We'll see. But, <laughs> you know, that's its own relationship, which, which, you know, there's a difference between that branding and the need to post versus I just use Facebook recreationally. for Exactly. Reasons. Exactly. It has a completely different feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another tip that I have found helpful is that I actually put social media on my to-do list. This sounds, you know, unusual maybe or silly, but we're not th- normal. Not normal, Ricky. <laughs> it doesn't sound normal, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, 
what I have found that when I put it on my to-do list, then I am in, I'm already more intentional about my use of it. And like, well, now I'm choosing to engage in social media instead of just mindlessly opening it up and scrolling when I have some free time. And it allows me to have this power to say like, I could use my free time to go online a little, go on social media a little bit, or I could use my free time to just like chill on the couch and play Candy Crush, which whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it has its purpose. 100%. But if I put it on my to-do list, then it immediately makes me more mindful about how and when I am using it. Love it. Today's takeaway is to look at your social media consumption. Find a pro, an area that you love about Facebook or Instagram or whatever, that you really feel like is making a difference and serving a positive and healthy function in your life. And strengthen that. Feel good about it. And then we want you to take a hard look at the areas of social media that you just don't feel good about. Areas that may be triggering or time-consuming or pulling you down. These are the cons. Think of one way to put an end to it. Whether it's unfollowing a group or making specific times a day to check your accounts. Thank you, Rifki, for that. <laughs> the power the power is in our hands to determine how much we want social media to be actively impacting our lives. We don't have to give it more power than we want to. We hope you have a chance to work on your takeaway. And if you do, we'd love to hear about it. You can find us on social media or you can email us at normalfromwomen at gmail.com. Now it's time for five questions with a normal from woman. Whoopee! <laughs> At the end of every podcast, we introduce you to a normal from woman. We ask the same set of five questions to each woman. Today, we'll be hearing from Miriam Hendelis from Los Angeles, who is actually my chavrusa, and we became chavrusas because we met each other on social media. Can you fall asleep with dishes in your sink? It clearly is a factor of me being pretty compulsive about needing to clean up right after dinner. But honestly, I feel like a few dishes in the sink don't bother me. Kind of like if I have a crock pot in there that's filled up with sudsy water or a couple of dishes, a couple of pots, I'm, I'm fine. I can sleep like that. And especially if I'm really, really tired, I'll even leave more than that in, in the kitchen these days and come back in the morning. And when I'm really well rested, clean up and feel really good about myself that I didn't have to do it the night before. What's your favorite mitzvah and why? Probably Bikr Cholim. As a child, I remember going with my mother to visit sick people in the hospital and making them feel better. And I always knew that that was something I wanted to do as an adult. And now I'm part of the Bikr Cholim organization here in Los Angeles. And I really find that it's very, very, very um, satisfying to help people relieve their pain and just be there and be present for them. It's really, really important. What do you do to recharge? I generally use humor to recharge. I'll call a friend and we'll laugh at situations in our lives, or I'll write a funny article, or I'll play some light music, or I'll read a funny book, or I'll just read a read or you know go through and find some cute memes that make me laugh. Yeah, I find laughter is the best medicine. It was something that my grandmother always used to say, and it's something that I just carry on in my life now. Laughter is really, really therapeutic. What part of your personality do you love? I'm a committed person. I'm a loyal person. I'm true to my friendships. I, when I say I'm going to do something, I stick to my word. I, you know, I, I, I don't flake out on things, and I kind of just do what I say I'm going to do. I, that's the value that I've had in life is 
my value of loyalty and, a tr- and trustworthiness. What do you think the firm world needs more of? I think the firm world needs a lot of unity now. And I think everybody is polarized and fighting and really not seeing things in a unified way. And I think that'll take a while for people to get back to being more tolerant and thinking out of the box, not seeing things as black and white, seeing things a little bit more gray, realizing that we can hold two opposing things in our mind at the same time and finding things that are are in common with each other rather than always looking at the differences. I think that the firm world will be a lot better off if we go towards that goal. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you liked this episode. We really enjoyed putting it together for you. Rifki and I would really appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review our podcast. All the links and references we made in the podcast today can be found in the episode notes. If you have any suggestions, feedback, or just want to say hi, you can email us at normalfromwomen at gmail.com, and we can both be found on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And please tell all your friends and family about our podcast. See you next episode.